right, here we go. Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea, just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here, and that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life, and heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try, the diamond dogs are here, and that means that Give up, just believe. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back to the season finale, episode 12 of season two of the Diamond Dogs podcast. I am one of your fabulous co-hosts, Jason Barnaby, here with my other fabulous co-host, Beth Rashley. Beth Rashley. And uh, let's just jump right into the the summary, inverting the pyramid of success. There's uh, there's a book being read during this uh, during this particular episode about the inverted pyramid. So in the last episode, we saw that Ted that story was going to break about his panic attack. Ted, uh, as a good leader, does gets the full support uh, of his team after the news. He focuses on the season's final match, which there's a lot riding on this because it could promote Richmond back into the Premier League after being relegated. Big news for Keeley. She learns that Banter's uh, uh, VC, the venture capital, there it is, uh, firm wants to finance her own PR firm. So that's really excited. Um and then at the same time, Rebecca is finding out that Rupert has bought West Ham United. So little jerk. back. He'll he's be back, back for uh for season or for yeah, season three for sure. Mm-hmm. Roy forgives Jamie and Nate for sharing their affections with Keely, but worries that she's gonna leave him. And at halftime during the match, Nate tries to abandon his false nine tactic, but the players decide to stick with it. Ted asks Nate why he's upset with him. They have a little off to the side, which is, you know, finally this thing comes to a head. And Nate angrily responds that Ted continuously neglected him since joining the coaching staff, which is, you know, not completely wrong. Yeah, not completely wrong, but, you you know, Nate probably could have done some stuff too. Danny. Danny winds up scoring an equalizing penalty to secure Richmond's promotion. There's a big story there, which I can't wait to talk about. Oh, me too. And uh, the team and the supporters celebrate, but Nate walks off dejected. Sam decides to stay at Richmond. And uh, boy, we see the true colors of uh, Mr. Akufu. Oh, yeah. I love that. Good night. He that just, was so funny. Wow. The wheels just come off. Uh-huh. Um, and then Sam also says that he wants to stay because uh, it would benefit his own personal journey, which is pretty cool. Uh, Trent or uh, Ted runs into Trent Krim, who is now independent because he yes. was fired as a reporter after revealing his anonymous source. So as we talked about in episode 11, uh, truth sometimes has consequences. That's right. And uh, we see that here, but there's a really sweet interaction between Roy and or between Ted and Trent. Yeah. Roy tries to go on holiday with Keely, but she is like, dude, I'm basically going to, I'm I already started this gig like a week ago and you need to go on this hard earned trip by yourself. 
And uh, we see it winding down at the end with Sam leasing a storefront to start a Nigerian restaurant. And uh, then, then the real, alert. then the real kicker. Two happens. months later, Rupert greets the newest member of his West Ham coaching staff, and there's a show of them at. It's kind of it's kind of reminiscent to me a little bit of Karate Kid. Yeah. Like the whole Cobra oh yeah. Kai thing. Like the yes coach, yes coach, yes, yes coach. And then you turn around and they do this uber close up of Nate in all black with new hair. He's mostly gray. Uh, he's looking fit, and it's just and that's where that's where yeah. we end it. So and it's like, I, I feel like they're shit. leaving it with. I think they really leave it with the impression that Nate has gotten head coach there. Mm-hmm. Like he's not just you know part of the coaching staff, but he is the head coach. Yeah. I think that's and obviously kind of, Rupert yep. has hired him as a screw you to everybody. Like oh Rupert is 100%, 100%. such a jackass. But he is yeah. a uh, stellar douche. Yeah. I, I remember watching this when it when the season first came out and that came out and I was like, oh, what? Like it I was know. incredibly shocking. Like yeah. I just I did not see that part of the storyline coming. There was a lot of there was a lot of that. So yeah. Where shall we begin? Oh my goodness Beth gracious. Rashley. I feel like let's, I think as usual, let's start with the Nate storyline. Cause this has just been such a big part of this season of the show. There is this, this scene that finally happens between Ted and Nate where, um, and this happens at halftime of the game. Yep. Nate, after the the team kind of comes together to decide to uh, move forward with the false nine strategy, Ted notices Nate walk into his office and, and he says, you know, like what, what's going on, Nate, like what's happening. And he says, he asks Nate for feedback in a way that I think is like something for us all to remember mm-hmm. the phrasing of it. I really, yes. really loved it. Yes. He says, what have I got to learn here, Nate? Yep. And Nate ends up like just dumping on him and, you know, discloses how he's been feeling and that he felt super abandoned. And the the way he says it too, it's like, imagine that this person makes you feel like the most important person in the world. And then that person just abandons you. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, I feel like, you know, did Nate have a role in that? Sure. But I, I get that that's Nate's impression. Yeah. I think Ted has been absent this season. He's had his own shit. And that happens, right? That sometimes yes. happens. And I was just gonna say, can we just press pause there for a moment and just remember because I'm I, I get so I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn as you do too. And yeah. I, I just see people all the time go, you know, somebody'll post something personal, like, you know, my son graduated from college or you know, like I've overcome this or, and, and I still see people go, there's no place for this on a oh, business yeah. platform. And I'm like, yeah. when are we going to finally come to terms and just stop the conversation to say that what happens in our personal life affects our work life and vice versa. And what we see in, in this whole season is Ted is dealing with his stuff and he's not on the same game that he was on in season one, like he's missing some stuff. He's not picking up on things. He's not dealing with things as he should because he's getting his own house in order. And it just, 
Uh, if we could just remember that what we see playing out in front of us is a very small part of the whole story. Yeah. Ask the question, what have I got to learn here? Yeah. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And I just, I really, really loved that the way that Ted handles that scene, even though it's really hard, um, he does a great job with it. And, and again, I feel like the miss here for him is if he could have had this moment with Nate six months ago, mm-hmm. you know, maybe could there have been a better outcome here? Maybe, I don't know. Nick, clearly what I would say is that as much as Ted has been doing his own work this season, Nate has been doing zero, right? Facts. So he has done gotten Facts. zero yep. help with yep. clearly some deep, childhood wounds that he has dude has certainly not been to therapy right or sought help in any way shape or form right so you know maybe the outcome isn't that dramatically different but i think ted will look back on would look back on this with less regret if he had been in there a couple times you know i think that's that's where the miss is um for sure and i i think this is a good place to lay this other thing that ted does do next to them and next to it. And that is that he apologizes to the team for not telling them about the panic. Oh, I loved that scene too. Yeah. And he says, every choice is a chance. And I didn't give myself the chance to build trust with you. Yeah. I loved that so much. I loved that. What happens is the whole team as, and, and this is what I see happening in life that the, like, if you are vulnerable and and true to your peeps, they will respond. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The team and the team is uh, super sweet about it. Like they're not busting his chops about it at all. Right. I think that's a great, yeah, that's a great scene. And I like that the apology happens. Like, I think that's a, that's a great leadership moment of, okay, I messed up. Like, I, I hate that these guys write about this in the paper. You know, he didn't have time to get in front of it, unfortunately, but you know, even after the fact going back and saying, you know, that was, that was my bad. I love that. Yeah. And, and to build on that same thing, I think this is a quote that comes maybe right after that. He said, it's our choices, gentlemen, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. And I love in that scene, the the camera pans to Nate's to Nate, face I know. as if to say like that Ted knew that he was, you know, that he knows that he's the leak. Well, which he does. I mean, to let Nate know that Ted knows. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that was, that was really solid and true. It's our choices that show who we truly are. There's that phrase that I've heard that quote that says, um, you are who you really are when no one else is watching. Yep. Yep. And that's. Yeah. Character matters. You know, I think leadership character matters even more, right? When you're in yep. that leadership space, being really conscious of how you're showing up and the, the ways in which you're interacting with others becomes, you know, that much more amplified. Right. No, totally, totally agree. Yeah. All right. So there's, there's that whole, there's that whole lesson, right? So we have all that stuff going on with, um, with, uh, with Ted and Nate. Although I think 
while we're talking about it, the fact that Ted doesn't force the apology or the yeah. confession from Nate yep. because Beard's like, it's Nate. Like, what are you going to do about yeah. this, dude? And uh, that brings one of Ted's, uh, what I think is one of their greatest quotes ever. Um, and he says to Beard, he goes, you know my philosophy when it comes to cats, babies, and apologies, coach. You got to <laughs> let them come to you. That's one of my favorites, And, you too. know, we were just talking about how if you've ever tried to pull a baby or a cat, Nothing Mm-mm. good comes from that. No, nope, never. Same with apologies. So, yeah. And I think, you know, when you try to push the apology to like, it's not going to be heartfelt, right? Like that's, right. that's why you don't want to go after, you know, I think Ted's hoping that this organic moment is going to happen. It doesn't. So then he ends up kind of going after Nate, but he doesn't go after Nate in search of the apology. Like he's, he's right. wise enough to know, like, that's not, that's, that's not where this needs to go. Right. Um, I think the other thing that I really loved about that scene with beard is beard right away. Like Ted never says like Troy told me it's right. Nate beard just knows. Right. Yeah. Cause beard's been paying attention the whole fucking time. <laughs> he yep. knows like yep. this, that was absolutely yep. Nate. And I love that like character point of like how intuitive beard has been about that situation the whole time. Yeah. And Beard has a hard time um, once he knows that hiding his feelings about Nate. Like it's just, I liked some of those moments too, where you're starting to see a little bit more transparency on Nate's, uh, on Beard's like body language when Nate is interacting. I liked that too. Yeah. And this, this whole narrative that's playing out while we're still talking about that, you know, Nate has already said, I'm going to give Ted this great idea and he's going to you know, yeah. take credit for it. And in fact, Ted names it Nate's false nine, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that Nate only wanted the credit when he thought the strategy would work. And then at halftime, because it's not working, he wants yeah. to abandon it. Ha <laughs> ha. Don't you ever want to get all the credit, right? Remember last yeah. episode, he's like, yeah. don't you want to get all the credit? Don't you want to be the one? And like, this is... Like what Roy said, it's not the game. It, that's not the job. Yeah, The job is you get it all. And so when it doesn't look like it's going to work and he thinks it no longer will, then Nate winds up despising the very thing that he saw in the previous episode. And I just oh, think yeah. that, that is so Well, and one of the things that I was really thinking about this time when I watched it through is that scene where they show Nate as the head coach of Rupert's team. He's not ready for that. Like I, Mm-mm. I am really interested to see what happens with that storyline next year, because there's no way Nate is going to be successful in that role. Cause he is not ready. He's not ready for that, that job. He's not in it for the right reasons. He's not self-aware right. enough to do that job. Right. And I'm really hoping that the writers write that, like that, that's the way this goes. I do too. Not that I want failure for him, but he needs to have enough discomfort that he realizes that he has to shift. Right. And that doesn't mean, dear listener, if you're listening and you're like, I'm in a role that I'm way over my head too. Like, should I listen? There's a choice. There's a choice that needs to be made asking for help, realizing Mm -hmm. where your weaknesses are, looking for ways to develop and get better. And all of those things. Like, I think we've all been in roles at some time in our life where we're like, I don't know if I'm really the, yeah. like, I don't know if I should be here. And sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe not. And that becomes a learning experience. But um, I think your point is a good one. 
that he just, it's, he's not, it's not doing it for the right reasons. He's not self-aware enough, like for all those things. So it could be, I mean, I can just picture him being such a total dick to all this players and to everybody and just ripping them. And and you can already see in the way that um, practice is running that it's a, it's a military approach. It's not, it's absolutely, I love that is absolutely Cobra Kai. Um, sweep the leg, sweep the leg. It's a kill, you know, or be killed mindset. And that, that doesn't equal success. Like that is just not what gets you wins and success. And, and so I'm going to be really, really interested. And what I hope is exactly what you said is that hopefully some things happen that he gets so uncomfortable and knows he's in trouble that he hopefully will have a moment where he seeks help. And I hope that he seeks that help through Ted. That's what I want to happen. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. That would be the storybook ending. That would be the rom communism ending, right? Yeah, but that's what I, I want. I don't know either. I don't, I don't know, know if that's. If that's I don't know if happen. that's where it's headed, and I don't know if if Nate doesn't get in there and start doing the inner work, that that's not going to happen. And so, so I so what I, I before we leave this, I want to talk about one more lesson here that I think might kind of get lost in the shuffle, and that is the team had decided from the beginning that this is what they're going to do. They're going to do Nate's false nine. It's not working. They're getting beat two to zero. They've mm-hmm. got one half left. There's a lot riding on the game. And the coaches are like, what do we do? And Nate's like, let's abandon it because he thinks they're going to lose and he doesn't want to be held responsible because he's yep. realizing that. Love what Roy says. Roy uh. goes, go ask them. Go ask the team. They're the ones. What does he say? They're the ones uh, out there doing this shit is what he yeah, says. Yeah, that's what he I says. Loved. So they, they go ask and the team in... What I think is, I mean, I got chills and I've gotten chills both times since I've watched this. Um, Isaac, you know, they all, they decide that they're going to stay with it. They're down two nil. It's, it's one half left. And then, you know, maybe they stay relegated or they get promoted again. A lot on the line. They're getting ready to huddle up to go back on the field. And Isaac is sitting outside the circle. And Ted's Mm -hmm. like, you're going to join us there, captain. And he comes up, splits the the circle of the players and walks up to Ted's thing and puts his hand on the believe sign. So powerful. Oh yeah. Like they, you know, which to me as a leader, right? Ted hung this up. That was one of the first things he did. Yep. And so this has been there. And so now you finally see after all of this work that Ted has done that everybody is bought in and they all go up to it except Nate. Which I thought was interesting, and they all do the they all touch it, and he's like, "Richmond on three and and they go out huge moment, and also showing that when you put something new into play, it doesn't always work, and I find so many leaders who like let's dip our toe, and if we dip our toe and it yeah. doesn't work, let's abandon. Yeah. So we do all this work up. We try it. It doesn't work as fast or as well right off the bat as we want. And so we pull it and st- So what does that say to your team? Like, well, we didn't really believe in it hundred percent anyway. Like we believe in this thing. We're going to pour into it. We're going to keep doing it because we believe that it's going to work. We've done the work. I've also seen the, the flip side of that where people are like, well, this is what we've decided to do and we're invested. So there's no way in hell we're pulling right. out. So they just keep pouring more money <laughs> right. down the hole of bad ideas. 
and yeah. it, that it can go both ways it. for it sure. Can, it, it can definitely go both ways, but I just, I love, 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 love when they all put their hands on that belief poster. It's so powerful. Yeah. I loved that scene too. And I love that it's Isaac that does it. Like it's yes. just, yep. you know, chef's kiss that yep. it ends up, ends up being yes. Isaac. Let's talk to you before we leave this like game storyline too, about this moment with Jamie and Danny. Yes. That happens on the field. I plus they're cotton picking hearts. So So they, they go out and they get a goal. I think Sam scores the first one when they come back. Scores the first one. Yep. And then they end up, you know, the time's running out and they end up, um, I think Jamie gets a penalty like they yeah, and the final scores are in. And so the announcers are saying what Richmond needs is they just have to tie. So it's yeah. two to one times running out. All they have to do is tie to get back in it. So a lot of pre- lot. Yeah. I mean, this is a major pressure shot. Yeah. Right. So typically Jamie would be the one who takes that shot. And so he starts to like he, in fact, like is starting to get set up. And then you see him like stop and pause and he walks over and gives the ball to Danny and Danny ends up taking the shot. And then of course the announcers are like this, he hasn't taken a penalty shot since he killed Earl, like, which is how this season starts. Like that's how season two starts. So I like how they put this book bookend on it too. And you see Danny like struggling and they show his foot. Did you notice on his shoes that it says RIP Earl? Oh my gosh. That whole scene, the way they play it. And then they, they pan the camera to the new, you know, mascot, mascot that's this little, little baby gray, greyhound puppy. I mean, it's just, it's great camera work and direction and all that yes. stuff. And then, you know, Danny takes the shot and get, gets it. But like that moment of Jamie being the one to yes. like step away and let Danny have that moment. I mean, come on. Yep. And what I love the, I think the most about, well, first of all, I think the thing I love the most is the wherewithal of Jamie to realize I don't need to be the guy. Right. And in this, yes. in this season, he still came into the office with the icon hat on. So he's still a premium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he's right? still, he's still, yeah. he's still but, Jamie. And this is a big, I mean, this is a huge moment. And to juxtapose that with the fact that Jamie was the one who put them into relegation last year Yes. with the goal. Right. So it would yes. have been like, it would have been the perfect thing. Like he put them in, he took them out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he chooses to give it to Danny and Danny's, you know, a little bit, you can tell he's in his head, but then I love it, which, you know, you go back to the mantra, your, your compelling. Why, what does Danny say right before he puts it in the corner of the goal? Football, Football is, is life. life. Yep. And you see this huge smile and I yep. just love it. And it reminded me of like, when Roy took Isaac to help him remember like the joy yeah. of playing the game and yeah. Danny, just like for the love of the game, football is life. Like with the smile yeah. on his face, it was perfect. And he yeah. buries it and you know, the time runs out and they're, and it, again, it's interesting in that whole thing to see Nate just walks off. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't celebrate. He doesn't stay and celebrate with the team. He just, he just walks out. And then we find out what he does is he, he goes in, he rips the belief sign off the wall, rips it in half and puts it on Ted's desk. Tears it in half. Ah, I'll be interested to see what happens to the sign. Yeah. Do they make a new one? Do they tape it? Like what? I know I'm interested in that too. I do too. I think, I hope it is. I think that the, again, the, the like symbolism there can be, no. You can believe even when it gets broken, like the yeah. belief can be repaired, you know, like yeah. you can get that back when you need it. I hope it's taped. That's my, yeah, that's my director's note on, on that one. I hope that they go that direction. 
Okay. I want to get to the storyline with Keely and Rebecca. Yeah. That's two that happens. And for some reason I didn't put this quote down, but it's one of my favorite parts of that whole storyline. So um, Keely knows she needs to quit and she um, is looking for some advice. Like she wants some advice on how to like have the conversation with Rebecca and she goes to Higgins and Higgins bless his heart is so like touched that she came to him instead of like Tad. But we, re- but we realized that every- yeah. everybody else is busy. <laughs> yeah. So she goes, he's like, he's like, oh, still happy to be mentioned. To me. Instead, I would have expected you to go to 10. She's like, oh, he's at lunch. And then he says somebody else and they're like, oh, she's busy. He's busy. And then he says, well, Rebecca. And he goes, well, it's about Rebecca. I can't talk to Rebecca about it. Cause it's Rebecca. Anyway, it was hilarious. Like thankful like, to comedy. be mentioned. Thankful, to, thankful be to be in the, in the, yeah. In the, in the thought process. So uh, he ends up get, having this great, you know, conversation with her. And he says this line that I think is, is just mm-hmm. gold and a, a really important important for all of us as leaders just to think about. And it's I, a good mentor, a good mentor hopes you move on. A great one knows you well. And I think that is such a powerful mindset around, um, you know, helping people move on. When I heard that line, I instantly thought of Carly, who I talked about. I all totally the time thought on the of show. Carly as well. And your conversation yep. with her. Couple, yep. Yep. Because I, I mean, I, I started having that conversation with her again, like, I, I know for sure at the first of the year, that year, we were having a conversation about like my um, development plan for the year. And she said something about, you know, my goal is to get you into a director role in the next couple of years. And I was like, I don't know that that's my goal. <laughs> you know, I was like, I feel like my goal this year is to try to figure out whether I'm staying in corporate or if I'm going out on my own. That's my goal this year. Like we started having that conversation pretty pretty early, but nobody has been both a bigger fan or advocate for me than she has. Like she yeah. knew, she knew about that. She handled that so well the whole time it was happen, happening and continues to. I'm so grateful for her. Those are the yep. people that are special in your life. Yeah. And so when Keely finally does go, you know, and tells Rebecca, they're both like oh, hot messes. So sweet. And, um, I love when she says, um, she says, do you have any advice for me going out on my own? Keely says that to Rebecca. At least I think that's what she asked. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. Rebecca just offers the advice. And she goes, she goes, my piece of advice would be to hire your best friend, which of course, then they start bawling again. But so sweet. Like, it's it's so sweet. Yeah. And and again, like I go back to a boss that I had that told me, he's like, I'm a totally different person at work than I am at home. And I just thought, no, that's like, I don't. That's weird. No, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like I don't that. I really understand that. Like, and if you are, I don't know. Can you know? Some people are like, oh, you should never be friends with people that you're working with, and some people are like, you should always be friends. And I think, I mean, you have to have some healthy boundaries, and it has to be fair and equitable and reasonable, and all those things. You can't give preferential treatment just to somebody because they're your friend. But it helps. Like, it's good to have people that are your friends. Yeah. And I think for some people that matters more than others. So for instance, I know we've talked on the podcast before about strengths. One of my strengths is something called relator Mm -hmm. and relators. It's important, not just for them to like be part of a team, but like the need for a team family collaboration for relators is incredibly high. Mm -hmm. I struggle at work a lot when I don't feel deeply connected to the people around me. Like Mm -hmm. if I have like, friction points with relationships with people, especially on my like immediate team, 
I'm not okay with that. Like that's yeah. not a cool thing for me. I need to be deeply connected to the people that are a part of my team. So if you have someone with that need too, and you're not engaging on that, you're never going to have that person um, happy at work because right. they need that kind of relationship. So right. super important. No, I think it's, I think that's, that's good. That's great insight. All right. And so then I think really what's left is I just, I like what we see in Roy. Oh, I know. And all of this, we'll get to his diamond dogs, uh, becoming a true diamond <laughs> dog in a minute, but I just, because what, so let's say this and then we can move into him becoming the, the, the diamond dog. But I think what's great is you see Jamie's, um, you see Jamie's growth in his apology to Roy, the fact that he comes and says, this is the way that it was. And I think he came like in the, wearing the icon stuff, mm-hmm. but the fact that Roy accepted it. Yeah. Because when he does come to the diamond dogs and says like, so about this diamond dogs thing. And he's like, and, and uh, I think Ted was like, do you want to become a member of the diamond dogs? He goes, no, I just want to be in the room. Well, whilst it's whilst it's happening, <laughs> and uh, and so I love Ted's like, well, let's give him a uh, a visitor a visitor's pass to our junkyard dog, which I think yeah, is hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, so and, funny. And so he's recapping this for the Diamond Dogs, and he's recapping the fact that this is what Jamie said to Keely, and somebody's like, and he's still alive. Yeah, he's Beard like, what did says you that. Do? And he's like, I fucking forgave him. And I'm still fucking furious about that. Like he's still mad about the fact that he, that he, you know, which I think is great. Cause it's like this big growth moment, but he's still pissed that that's oh, what he yeah. did because it's so just not funny. in line with, with, uh, with who he is. And, uh, I love and- the part too. in that scene where he, you know, he's telling them what happens with the photo shoot. So there's this photo shoot and then yes. it turns out Roy's picture isn't used and he's trying to figure out how to deal with that. And he goes, and it, it hurt my feeling. <laughs> And he says it just Singular. one, just the one feeling. It hurt it, his one. That is, um, it hurt my feeling. I thought I was gonna die. So so funny. And what's what's even better? I think that like it. I just love the progression of the scene. And so at the end, you know, they don't really tell him what to do. They're more really just listening. And so Roy goes. So wait, sometimes the Diamond Dogs is just chatting about stuff and stuff, and nothing has to change. And Ted's like putting his jacket on to go out, and he's like. Yeah, that's right. And Roy's like, cool. So I feel like the evolution of this is that Roy is going to become a diamond dog next season. I yes. feel like that's what's and going. And Beard is like beside. He's like a little kid that just got handed cotton candy. He's just like, oh my oh gosh. gosh, he's making all these faces. Like, yeah. can you believe this? This is amazing. Yeah, it's so funny. So oh, I, such I just a great love. One. I love that we are ending the season talking about. The name of the podcast talking Me about the diamond dogs. It's just Me good. too. You know, the it's hope good. is that this podcast is a space where people can just come, right? Yeah. And learn and be with no agenda for anything other than just connection, right? Yeah. And that, that you come for the same reason that Sam said he was staying in England. I'm staying because it's what's best for me in my personal journey. We're hoping that you just come. <laughs> Because it's a, I would love that if that was the case. It's best for you and (laughs) your your personal personal journey. journey. (laughs) That's really all we can hope for. That's all we can hope for. We can hope for at all. That's it. (laughs) 
If you feel like you've lost your fire, especially during the Great Resignation in the wake of a global pandemic, you're not alone. People are rethinking life choices and life paths like never before. Lucky for you, it's not a road you have to walk alone. Igniting the Firestarter Within chronicles Jason Barnaby's and several other leaders' journeys from corporate professional to solopreneur. This book will help you find your fire, fan the flame, and tend your tribe as you work to uncover the real you. Want to accelerate your results? Check out 30 Days to Blaze, a 30-day practical step-by-step guide to finding and feeding the fire inside of all of us. You can get both on Amazon.com. Hey, everybody. We are so excited to welcome a long time, long, long time friend of mine and a uh, long time listener, first time guest, Billy Jones, (laughs) who uh, makes his home out in the LA, California area and is tightly connected with the entertainment industry. But I'm not going to mess up his introduction because I still I've known him for many, many years. And he's told me what he's what he does multiple times. And I was even trying to tell Beth before we got him on today. I think this is what he does. But uh, he's going to tell us and then we're going to ask him all kinds of questions about the entertainment world and the biz and some of the things that you see in the credits and stuff like that. So Billy, take it away. Hi, Jason. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. I, um, I've been in Los Angeles since I finished college a long time ago. And, uh, even when I was in college, I always wanted to make Sesame street. That was my lifelong dream. So in order to do that, you have to live in New York or LA. And I went to New York and realized that I wasn't good at puppetry and it was really cold. (laughs) So, So I moved to LA and jumped into children's television and some movies and a little bit of TV. And then I found my home in the commercial industry. So I make television commercials for a living and commercials for every brand you can imagine. Um, I have my hands in a lot of the progressive commercials with Flo and Baker Mayfield and Motor. I do Nike commercials. I do Papa John's commercials sometimes. I'm doing a Jack in the Box commercial next week. I, I do commercials for whoever will pay me. And that's kind of how it works in Hollywood. We are all independent contractors who are willing to do whatever it takes to not have a real job. You're living yeah, and you travel pretty extensively too, right? You don't just do stuff in LA. No, I've been really lucky to travel the world a couple of times on campaigns. Um, I've done Burger King where I went around the world feeding people Whoppers who'd never had red meat. Um, yay, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I've also done a couple of AT&T spots where we've gone around the world showing connectivity issues for people all over the place and how that's changing the world. Um, There's truth in advertising, but just a little bit, not a ton. Mm. Um, I'm really fortunate. I sometimes direct, I oftentimes produce, but most of the time I work as an assistant director. And what that means is I am the person that says, okay, everybody, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, okay, great. How long do you need for that? And then I say roll and cut, and that's a wrap. And those are the best words to say every time that we finish a shoot. So that's cool. Super, super cool. So, so a question that that begs for me right off the bat. So you, when you're when you're yelling cut, when you yell cut, are you? I'm assuming if you're assistant director for that, that you're standing next to the director, who is a person that I always thought would yell cut. So is it the assistant director that yells it or the director? It depends on the relationship going and the size of the crew and the, the 
complexity of what we're filming, a lot of times I need to communicate with people who aren't within earshot. So I'm on at least one, if not two different headsets during the day. And I cue the police officers to hold the traffic. I cue the drivers to drive the pyrotechnics technicians to fire the fire and the, the kids with the uh, the animals to run faster. So I have, I usually do it. The director will nod at me or give me a look and I'll say it. But if we're two people on a couch in a room, the director says it a lot of times. But when we get a little bit bigger and we get that stuff going on, yesterday was a, let's just say it was a Marvel universe world. So we had a lot of things happening that a lot of people had to understand. It's, um, it's really, it, it's an interesting place. And, and the reason Jason and I talk a lot and why I love listening to your podcast is I'm in management, still wearing my t-shirt and shorts to work every day, but I'm managing, I compare our industry to either a, a summer camp or a carnival and equal parts of both because we're a bunch of disparate people coming together to make stupid jokes and make each other laugh and, <laughs> and sell some beer tacos, Advil, whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have a great time and, and there's a lot of danger around us and a lot of things that could go wrong if people aren't paying attention. So we have to build trust instantly with the 40 to 100 crew members that rotate kind of every week. It's a different group of people. And you have to know how to read people and how to keep your cool and difficult situations. And I, being a sometime director, sometime producer, I know the creative's important, but I know the money's important. And then thankfully, it's not my money. And as an assistant director, thankfully, it's not my creative concept, but I try to balance both of those things to get the jobs done and to keep everybody happy and, and everyone safe. Yeah, I love that. Can we dig in a little bit more to what you're saying too? Like I can imagine, I, in my opinion, one of the hardest things about leadership sometimes is when we have to lead through influence instead of authority, right? When we have to put that hat on in a different way. And yep. it sounds like that's your world you live in all the time, Billy. So walk in build trust fast. Um, what are your, like, what are some things that you, you do that are like tangible that might be helpful for other people who find themselves in those kinds of situations? It's a, it's a perfect question. We spend a lot of time on, on a two day project. And then we roll to the next week for a different concept with a different production company. It's a totally different crew. And I was explaining to someone yesterday that every department hires its own crew. So for the camera team, there's three to 20 people that are just hired by the director of photography for the electrical team. The gaffer hires his crew. It could be two to 20 people. The, the key grip hires his own crew. Electricians make lights, grips make shadows. That's a longer story. Um, but there's the same with that art department, hair, makeup, wardrobe, transportation. So I will tend to know walking into a job who the top people are, who the top management of all these departments are. But then through experience, I'll know a lot of the crew members. And for me, at breakfast in the morning before we start, we're, we're usually allowed into neighborhoods at either 6 or 7 a.m. So we meet in a church parking lot or a school parking lot, and we all have breakfast together. So for us, that breakfast conversation, that shaking hands, that making eye contact, that making sure I have somebody's name down correctly and, and everyone sees, oh, I, I feel maybe this is just self-inflated ego. I feel that I have a good reputation and the crews of people are happy and relieved to see me because I do keep us on schedule. I do get people home safe and I do value those things, which isn't always uh, true of the people in my position. So making sure that I have a personal connection with as many people as possible is very valuable for me. Um, 
we also have to have a safety meeting every day. Part of what we're doing is walking in open streets with police officers, hopefully blocking traffic behind us you know, taking up parking lanes, getting in the war in the way of the real world life of people and having to deal with the public. So we are putting ourselves in, in positions where we have to all watch out for each other. So part of my safety meeting every morning is making light of the fact that we have a lot of peril around us, but also we're all going to watch out for each other and we are all a family and we want to get home to our loved ones at the end of the day. And, and this is a job that we love, but it's a job that is just paying for our life that we love. So a huge part of it is making sure everyone's invested in our project but also understanding that our project is a mean to an end to get us home and have a better life. And we just yesterday were discussing, I don't do brain surgery. I'm not responsible for saving people's lives in that way. And, and whether I sell more Dr. Pepper or not, isn't really going to change the world that drastically. <laughs> it's still a pretty great life for us. And we all are so thankful we're out here. My crew yesterday from hell's angels to gender fluid, um, makeup artists, it's a diaspora of the world. So we all get along and, and it's funny for us to come together in these brief moments of clarity of like, oh, that was a funny joke. Stop laughing. I'm still rolling sound. So we, we, we run into that all the time where we want it to be really funny, but it can't be too funny that the crew breaks and laughs because then we have to try it again. And it's never as funny the second time. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I'm just realizing too, that I'm not destined to ever work on a film set. Cause I would never not be able to you, laugh. You would, you would, <laughs> you would be the person that, that like Billy would like pull his headset off Get and out. just point to you and just yep. be like, you rashly, you're out of here. You beat it. <laughs> exactly. And that's a lot. A lot of it is the, the, the visual cues. I do point at people a lot. I do. I'm the, the hardest part. I'm a very expressive person facially. And with masks on for the last couple of years of oh, COVID, I, I, my eyes have gotten really good at <laughs> conveying my meanings because I do a lot of while we're rolling sound or while we're doing something, just give somebody a look that supports them or tells them, I think it's funny too, but I'm not going to laugh. Please stay with me. Or like, hey, take your phone call and go the other way. I don't care that you're the executive producer. You have to stop. And mm. um, I, I, it, it's... um it's great to have the little interpersonal connections with people that, that make those things go better. We also make it a big deal to tell everyone that there's no structured hierarchy that can't change. You know, and that comes from most of the directors I work with, but I try to impose that idea in the morning from the top person who's making the most money on set to the brand new fresh out of college production assistant everybody is valuable on set and everybody's opinion matters and everyone's actions matter. So if somebody isn't keeping the door closed and a really loud person walks in while we're doing a very intimate scene, we all have to do it again. Or if someone hasn't tightened the screw to keep the stand from falling over, we all have to do it again. And that just keeps us from getting home faster. So we, we all talk about that. And, and it's, that is something that carries over to most of the best film sets is that everyone feels that they're invested together. I know from talking to the Ted Lasso crew that they feel the same way, that it is a family and there are very few people who are untouchable, Ted being one of them. But I think Jason and having shot with Jason, I know that he keeps it the same way. He is very inclusive, supportive. He believes that everyone has worth and, and tells everyone that in his character as well as in his personal life. 
Yeah, yeah, it seems it seems to me like this role for him is probably the closest thing he's done to who he is as a person. Do you think that's true? Since you know, like I I think it's so it just leaks out. <laughs> he's he's extremely comfortable in this character currently and was when it started. I don't know if he's as comfortable with the amount of attention he's getting for this character oh, because it's I mean, a lot. It's a lot, and it's only we're in the thir- third fourth season now. Yeah, well, it's, they're shooting three right now. So. Yeah, well, I think they're shooting three and four if you were to really <gasps> dig into it. Uh, Billy Jones. So the things that happen on bigger productions that so you do when you can get some shots so that if you have a crowd of people in the stadium, you're going to shoot a bunch of stuff that you don't even know what it's written for yet. If you're going to shoot some people in a train station or wherever, and I'm making things up, I don't know for sure what locations <laughs> they're at. So please, I could see Beth's face. Yeah. <laughs> And this is why you know I didn't do anything exciting at the CIA because this is what my face does. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you do you know yeah Jason. Is, I, it seems that he's the most comfortable I've seen him in roles like this and in, in this role. So um, it, it, the whole cast and crew seem to be really invested in these characters, in each other. Watching them at award shows, you can see they really yeah, care for each other's yeah. success, really and that that translates on screen. One of the best lines from this this episode at the end of the season was when um, Rebecca told Keely her best piece of advice was to hire your best friend. And then we all started crying at home. Oh, and they it's cried so on good. TV and yeah. It's so I'm good. tearing up right now because you're yeah. the one I'm talking to. So it's it so Jason. good. And that's that really is the thing. I mean, we, I, I'm in a position where I get to hire three to five people every job. And, and the people that I hire, I want them to want my job. I want them to succeed. I want them to move up. And if that means less opportunity because I'm a freelance worker and they take some of my contacts, that's awesome because that that's means so that they've cool. learned and they've excelled and they've come up. And, and I don't want the people who don't want to teach people the same lessons I've taught them. And that's a really, that's a great thing to see. And um, I think it's key to both this show and, and, and the things that Jason and I've been talking about for many, many years. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Billy, I feel like we could talk about like 17 different things that you just said that we could pull out. I want to ask you though, you're, you were telling me something about like what your daughter did, like some pop-up stands or something that were like about to, because we don't see this in the Midwest, right? We're, we're mid, we're not LA, but so I don't in, like, I don't even understand that. So tell us what that was. Okay. So in Los Angeles, because we are the media, the capital of America, if not the world. Um, every time there's a, a show or a movie or a campaign that wants attention for award season, and award season is a real thing, Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, it's it's a, it's a season in LA. We don't have winter, we don't have fall. We don't you have, have awards. You have award season. <laughs> we, have, we have award season, and award season really entails a lot of people campaigning to get their clients or themselves or their show recognized here in my little village where we have a little village green and an ice cream shop. And of course, a sushi shop and a taco shop because it's it's LA. Like we, we have a a place where people will put in an installation to draw your attention. It's called a four year consideration and FYC, which I always thought was fine young cannibals, but here it's (laughs) for your consideration. Um, and they'll put up a pop-up something. They'll they'll make a little piece of the set or, or um, you know, for Ted Lasso, 
they put up a grandstand and they put up cutouts of a lot of the key cast members. And you could go sit in the middle of the grandstands and they would give you a pom-pom to wave and take your picture and you get a picture oh, of it. Cute. But then they would give you the shortbread cookies as you walked away. Oh, Biscuits. Wow. Which That's... was unbelievable. And they were the best things we've eaten. So between my house and where my daughters go to high school is where this little village is in the, the center of our town. So for multiple days, my children would go on the way home from school and stop. <laughs> oh, what is this? Oh, sure. I'll take a little box. And they came just like Ted would deliver in the little white box. That's so cool. They were delicious. And we we just, yeah, th- that was a great time. Um, really cool love that so much. Yeah. So, so do you think, because in the last, for, or I guess for the first two seasons that Ted Lasso was released, it was released right around this time of year. Now, at least for whatever rumblings I can find online, they're saying that it's been pushed to the fall, closer to award season. Is that would it, it, it's hard to say what's happening with any show, but filming in in the world has been difficult because of COVID, and um, it's a different restrictions than most businesses because you know we quickly in the unions in LA, the International Association of Theater and Screen Workers the Directors Guild, the Screen Actors Guild, we all put in our plans for safety. But the really, the people who are exposed the most are the actors. And you know, we can all be vaccinated. We can all wear masks. We can all test. I tested this morning for a thing I'm doing tomorrow. I, I test at least twice a week at an ex- outside lab in addition to being tested on set. Um, wow. But if you're an actor, you're not wearing a mask. We're still wearing masks on set. Like the entire crew oh, wears wow. masks mm-hmm. when okay. we're around, when we're outside and we're say at a football stadium or we're outside at the beach, we're a little more relaxed about the mask um, adherence to rules. But when we're interior, like I was in a house yesterday with probably a 12 by 14 bedroom and I had two actors and six crew members and the actors are maskless and they're singing and talking and, the crew members are tested and they're negative and they're vaccinated. But as we've learned, we don't really know a ton of who's carrying out how the transmission is, is getting through right. to a lot of people. And if an actor goes down or tests positive, yeah, you're stopping for a month. And with a large ensemble in England where the rules are different still, yeah, you know, if, if one actor were to have to take a break, that messes up the whole schedule. I, I'm very fortunate again in commercials, I have to do 30 second scripts which I mean, I can, I did four yesterday and I, oh my you know, one is, one is pretty good, but we did four in a day yesterday. We do a lot of 15 second scripts. They're doing a 30 minute piece and even their scenes are longer than 30 seconds. And they do have multiple people in good locations and, and tons of crew. So the putting together a week long schedule, which is what is typical for a 30 minute TV show. Um, that's not shot in a stage as like a sitcom used to be mm-hmm. where it's a single camera show, which is what Ted Lasso is, is, it's usually one camera going. You're not shooting it with three cameras like they used to shoot Cheers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do need more time and you do need access to crew members and cast members. And should someone's availability fall out or should it not be able to travel into the country? Or, you know, mm-hmm. there are American crew members and cast members other than Beard and Ted. So right. yeah, um, it's hard. And and a lot of the a lot of the cast who are British not necessarily residents of England. So having to get mm. across borders to film to then take time for editing 
there are completely legitimate reasons for things to be held out um, for long periods of time. And we're finding that that's happening more and more across our industry. We're, we're hoping it gets better, but it's still, you know, we're still in it. And it's, it's tough because we want the actors, the celebrities, the faces to be, to see their faces. I don't want to see them in masks all the time, but that's right. what the reality is. And we shot some Super Bowl spots this year where we had double cast. So we had celebrities, but everyone who wasn't that celebrity had a backup. And in the morning in the parking lot of the Coliseum here in Los Angeles, we tested the entire crew and the cast. And if you tested positive, you went home and your backup stepped in for you. And wow. that was heartbreaking for people to miss out on their Super Bowl spot. But we had to deliver because they weren't going to hold the Super Bowl for us. And those right. media buys were already taken. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And we had it not just for cast, but we had it for crew too. I had, I have, I've been in that position once where I was the backup crew and that's great. Show up, you get tested, you sit in your car. Oh, okay. You're fine. Great. I get to go home and get paid for the day and enjoy my day off. Yeah, that works. Out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I don't think they're holding for award season. I don't think that they need to worry about it. They've won plenty of awards. They're going to win more awards from everything right. that I'm hearing and seeing that and everything that I believe the show just gets better and better. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely I'm, has done that. I'm so excited to see where they take this Nate storyline in season three. I think that's going to be really, really interesting, and it'll be interesting to for us to talk about as a leadership journey too. Completely. Yeah, well, the Nate sure. Rupert connection is going to be very. Oh um, yeah, that's good to hear. Okay, speaking of spoilers, Billy, I can't like get off the call and not just ask. Like, is there anything interesting that you know that you could share with us? There's not really anything I can share. There's um, I, I notice he didn't say there's not anything interesting. Just that he yeah, can't uh -huh, share. that he can't share. Yeah. Um, I, I have um, I've been playing basketball my whole life, and I play not really well, but I play it a lot, and, He's tall, um, and I enjoy helps. playing it. And I am tall, so that does help. But at church, there's a Sunday dads game, and there are some very influential people in the show that play in that Sunday dads game. And there are people that are way more powerful than anyone attached to Ted Lasso in that game too. So, oh, your, your little show, oh, your little, I mean, we remember hearing about your, it at the beginning. little show, that's yeah, so It was funny. a thing. But we, um, yeah, we talk about it. We know some things. It's pretty cool. I know that they, I know filming went well. So. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> exciting. I'm well. glad it went well. We're really excited to see what went well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we happened. all are. And, and I, I feel that, the people who watched Ted Lasso love it so much that they're just chomping to get to some more yes. content. Yes. And they really are. I was introduced to the show originally by a friend of mine who's like, this is the best show and you need to watch it with your family, but don't wait to watch it with your family. Watch it on this flight home from Cleveland. And we were filming in Cleveland and then watch it again with your family. It's like, I'm never going to, no, that's not. And it, he was right. Yeah. And, um, it yeah, was totally. just, I was hooked. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched Season one, especially, but season two to the Christmas episode, um, I, I just yeah, we loved. So and then good. just before we started talking, I rewatched this episode, the finale of season two, and oh, so wonderful. Yeah, just, it's just I was tactful. trying to think of it, and I kept that. Oh, that's a great nugget. Oh, that's a great nugget. Oh, that's yeah. another great nugget. And cried again, even when I knew it was coming. I still cried. Yes, I know. <laughs> so. I cried and I've watched the thing three times hearing you say it brought it all back. I'm like, damn it. That scene is just killer. It's yeah. just killer. Yeah. We Ke Keely and Rebecca both. I feel like Keely more than Rebecca, but um, I feel like 
they're both, they just, they have their moments where it's like these nuggets that are just like, oh my gosh, that's so powerful. That's so good. And it just, it's unexpected. I mean, I think, I feel, I feel like now we should expect it, but it's still unexpected, which I think makes it even that much more amazing. So. One of my favorite unexpected moments came near the end when Roy came into the locker room and asked to talk to the diamond dogs and talked about you know, <laughs> Jamie. And, yes. and at the end he said, wait, so sometimes you just talk about things and nothing happens. And they nodded. He said, that's cool. That's cool. And Coach and Beard loved it so much, but that's it. That's like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes we just talk about things sometimes and we don't get a that. resolution yeah. and that's great. And, and for that to be out there, currently with everything going on in the world is such a valuable lesson from that character, especially. I had such an amazing conversation with Billy that we decided to roll part of that conversation into a special bonus episode. Tune in next week to check it out.